Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. It can be a great relief to forgive, to be forgiven. Certainly, to be forgiven by God is the ultimate relief, but how does that forgiveness granted us solely for the sake of Christ, how does that find its way into our lives, and what goes wrong when it doesn't? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Last week, we interviewed Dr. Ted Kober about forgiveness and unforgiveness. Dr. Kober is a certified Christian conciliator. He's co-author of The Issues Etc., a book of the month for January, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. We discussed how various stories of the Old Testament, Joseph and Jonah, taught about both forgiveness and unforgiveness. Let's pick up where we left off with Ted's answer to my question, what's the relationship between forgiveness and consequences? That's a really important question. And when I'm speaking, I often ask people, I say, does forgiveness relieve consequences? And the vast majority of people say no. And that's true in one sense, but it's not true in the biggest sense of all. For forgiveness relieves us from the greatest consequence that we look forward to, and that is that hell has been taken away for us because we are the redeemed child of God. And we have been given an inheritance in heaven. So consequence, forgiveness, God's forgiveness relieves us from the consequences of hell, eternal separation from God. So that's one consequence that's taken away. But what people usually are thinking is, what about the earthly consequences? Does it take away earthly consequences? And there we look back to Scripture to see what it teaches about that. When Moses disobeyed God by striking the rock for water instead of just speaking to it, we ask, did God forgive Moses for that sin? And the answer is yes. And we know for certain he did because Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was living in heaven. But was there an earthly consequence? Yes, and it was severe at least I think it was, after leading the children of Israel for 40 years, and they were a very difficult congregation to lead, he brought them to the edge of the river where they could cross into the promised land, and they were going there, but Moses could not enter the promised land. So the consequence was he did not get to go to the promised land, the earthly promised land with his people, but he was forgiven by God and entered the heavenly promised land. So there we see the consequence that was relieved and the earthly consequence that was put on him. Another example from Scripture is King David, 
who was beloved by God and was a great leader in not only for Israel, but even for us today in worship, in that many of the Psalms were written by David. And yet he sinned grievously against God when he lusted after another man's wife, had relations with her, and then when she became pregnant, he became desperate to cover it up. And finally, he had her husband killed in battle as a way to cover up his own adultery. Did God forgive David? Yes. Through the prophet, he was forgiven directly by God. He said, your sin is taken away. You will not die. Were there earthly consequences? Oh, yes. And they were painful. The child born to David and the woman Bathsheba died as a baby. There was much bloodshed in his family. In fact, another son ended up laying with many of his wives later on and brought public shame to him. There were many earthly consequences, and yet David was forgiven. And not only that, but the Messiah was born through his lineage, which was another promise of God. So you see both grace and mercy shown in that example. And then there's other examples in the parable of the prodigal son, where he takes his father's inheritance and squanders it on wild living. And when he returns back to hopefully just be a servant, the father totally restores him, takes away any consequences he would have, restores him as a son, and and holds a feast for him. And the older brother, who was there all the time, became resentful that the father would extend such forgiveness and relieve so many consequences for this one who did not deserve it in his eyes. So we can see in the scripture there are times for earthly consequences and there are times for mercy, um, but forgiveness removes the worst consequence of all, eternal damnation, but it does not automatically remove the earthly consequences. So in the book, we talk about reasons for earthly consequences, godly reasons, which can help guide a person in knowing whether they should relieve consequences or use them for the benefit of the individual that caused the offense and for others around him or her. What if someone refuses to forgive me? That is a very difficult situation. You cannot force someone to confess. You cannot force someone to forgive. You cannot force someone to love. All you can do is be a beggar to ask for mercy. And then you have to leave it to God to move that person to do that. But when an individual does not forgive us, and it can be very painful, then again, we turn back to Christ and say, Lord, You have forgiven me. You have made me your child. Help me in these painful times and help the person who is so hurt by my sin that they cannot forgive. And according to your will, give them release from that prison that they may come to the point someday when they can forgive. But we come to the very throne of grace at Jesus' invitation and lay our burden there. But there it is that we also remember that we are forgiven. And as we counsel people who have been through significant conflict, where there is a broken relationship, we talk about 
how we need to get the log out of our own eye, that is to confess our sin to the person that we've hurt. We go with the attitude that in our confession to God, we know that he has forgiven us. And so whether that individual forgives us or not, we live in forgiveness of Christ, even as we wait for the other person, hopefully someday, to forgive. Does forgiving require that you forget? So that's a great question. We have this phrase in English, forgive and forget, which I think is a terrible phrase and puts a horrible burden on people and, frankly, helps encourage bad theology. Because it suggests that in order to forgive, we have to forget the offense. And that's simply not what happens. People sometimes point to Jeremiah where it says, where God promises, I will remember your sin no more. But there's a difference between choosing to not remember something and forgetting. God doesn't say that because he's old and has dementia and can't remember, therefore he forgets. He chooses not to remember, that is, not to dwell on it, not to bring it up, not to use it against us. And it's not because he's forgotten it. Clearly, he knows we have sinned, but he doesn't use it against us. One of the accounts we give in the book is of a woman named Gladys. Gladys grew up in Australia, believed God was calling her to be a missionary. She went to medical school, became a nurse, and then she was called to serve in a hospital in India. And the hospital administrator, his name was Graham, turned out he was Australian. In fact, he grew up just 20 kilometers away from Gladys, but they never met until they were both in India. And God brought them together as husband and wife, and they had three children, Esther, Timothy, and Philip. And as they worked in this hospital, it was a hospital serving lepers, and not just any lepers, but lepers of the outcasts. The outcasts are people in a Hindu culture, such as India, that people believe that they've sinned so many times in previous lives that they are not worth being in a caste. That means they are worth less than animals. And if you serve lepers who are outcasts, you're serving the outcast of the outcast, the most rejected people in that culture. But Graham and Gladys and their children loved the people they served as they helped them with the leprosy, they always shared Jesus with them. And Graham, his prayer was that all of India would become Christian. At that time, only 3 to 4% of people in India were Christian. And so he was often asked to speak about his faith. And he went into the jungle to speak about Jesus, and he took his two sons, Timothy and Philip, with him. And he spoke that day, and then that night they slept in their car because there was no other nice place to sleep. But there were Hindu activists that hated Graham and his message about Jesus, and they surrounded the car. The leader took his axe and sliced all four tires on the car so they could not drive away. Then the men used tridents. They broke out the windows of the car. Then they started the car on fire. And as Graham and his boys tried to escape, they shoved them back in and burned them to death. Imagine Gladys's grief when that occurred. But she was interviewed by a reporter from a newspaper in 
Chennai, one of the largest cities in India. The name of the newspaper was The Hindu, because the government had caught 13 of the men most responsible, and they convicted them, sentenced them. The ringleader had the death sentence. The other men got life in prison. And what this reporter wanted to know from Gladys is, did she think that was justice? I learned when I traveled to India several times that people in India especially are fixated on justice. When you live in a caste system, there's no way to break out of your caste. And so people strive and hope for justice in whatever level of caste they are born in or outcast. And so the pursuit of justice is very strong in India. And that's what this reporter wanted to know from Gladys is what happened to these men was that justice. Her answer was a miracle in two ways. First of all, what she said was actually properly reported in the newspaper, a Hindu newspaper. And the second is that she could actually say what she did. And she said, the sentence these men have received, she says, is from the government and God gave us government to provide justice in the land. And according to their sentence, I have no comment. But as for me, I have forgiven them already. Reporter was astounded and said, how could you forgive them? Did you forget what they did to your husband and sons? And she says, I forgive them because God in Christ has forgiven me. And what this land needs for healing is forgiveness, not retribution. Well, that story went all across India and then all across the world because people were so amazed. And I got a copy of that story. And because I'd been to India several times, I was hoping that someday I would meet Gladys. And I learned when I was working in Australia that she had come back after some years in Australia so that her daughter could go to medical school. I found a way to contact her and asked if I could meet her because of my work in reconciliation. She agreed. When I met her, it was amazing. There was not a bitter bone in this woman's body. It was clear that she loved Jesus so much and was so thankful for the forgiveness she had in Christ that she forgave these men that brutally murdered her husband and her two young boys. But she also said to me, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't look at young men in their 20s today and think of my two sons. Gladys did not forget what happened to her husband and to her two little boys. She remembered that every day, but she remembered it differently. She didn't remember that the people who did that deserved God's damnation. She remembered that she forgave them. And so she didn't forget the offense, but she remembered it very differently. She remembered it as God remembers us. And she chose not to bring it up and use it against them, but she chose to forgive them, just as God forgives us through Christ. So forgive and forget is a terrible phrase because some people think that they have to forget the pain, the hurt, the offense, and that's not what Scripture calls us to do. It calls us to forgive, and over time, God brings healing to the grieving, to the suffering, to those that are suffering consequences even that follow that. But it's God's love, it's His forgiveness, it is His care for us in which we are able to forgive 
even when we don't forget. Dr. Ted Kober is our guest. We're talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness. When we come back, how do we speak forgiveness to one another? This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we wrap up Colossians with the new life at home and in the workplace, a door for the word, greetings part one and greetings part two. Then we launch into Paul's epistle to Titus on Friday with the hope of eternal life. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Ad Crucem has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcrucem.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Ad Crucem, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness. Dr. Ted Kober is our guest, a certified Christian conciliator. Dr. Kober, how do we speak forgiveness to one another? So, because we look and define forgiveness as the same kind of forgiveness that God gives us, we believe that the way we need to speak it to one another is to tie it directly to the giver of the gift. So, when I forgive you, I forgive you because God through Christ has forgiven me. It's the same message that Gladys gave to the reporter when he said, how could you forgive them? I forgive them because God has forgiven me. So we, first of all, can even announce God's forgiveness to them. Based on what God says in the Bible, I can tell you that he has forgiven you through Jesus Christ. And because he has forgiven you, I forgive you also. And you can even use one of the scripture verses and insert the person's name into it. So if I was to quote from Psalm 103, Todd, as far as the east is from the west, 
so far has God removed your sins from you. You are forgiven by God. And as God has forgiven you, I also forgive you. How does Christ's forgiveness bring reconciliation? Well, first of all, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. When you forgive someone, confession and forgiveness are necessary for reconciliation, but reconciliation does not always happen, even when there is forgiveness given. So how does Christ's forgiveness lead us to reconciliation? When it is given, when there is repentance and forgiveness together, the relationship can be rebuilt again. That's reconciliation. But you can still forgive and not be reconciled. And some people don't think about this, but sometimes it happens when the person that you have forgiven is not accessible to you anymore. Maybe they have died. Maybe you don't know where they are at. Maybe they have dementia and don't have the ability to reconcile in the way that you would like to rebuild a relationship. But you can still forgive them. But without forgiveness, reconciliation can't happen. So forgiveness is a necessary part of reconciliation, but it does not mean that you will automatically be reconciled. What do you say to a listener who has avoided speaking to a loved one because of a sin committed against the listener or a sin committed by the listener, and they're afraid to reach out? So the first thing I encourage people to do is reach out to Jesus. Go to him and say, Lord, you know my heart's desire is to reach out to this person, but, and then whatever it is that's preventing you from doing that. I'm afraid. I'm not sure they're going to receive it. I don't know what will happen. Or I'm having problems talking to them. All of these other things. Just lay that burden before the Lord Jesus and ask for his help. And I tell people that when they want to reach out to someone, but they haven't been receptive in the past, to not force yourself upon them, but rather let them know the invitation is there for them. And so when communication's been cut off, as sometimes happens in these broken relationships, I encourage them to just send occasionally a card or a note or a message, not that I've forgiven you or that I want to admit my fault, but just know I am ready to talk when you are. Then you wait for the door to be opened and let God lead you through that difficult time. And I've personally experienced that in a relationship that went bad, and we attempted mediation, but we were not reconciled. The other person was very hurt by something I did, and they just refused to talk. And I was advised by one of my pastors to not keep pursuing it because I was just making problems worse. And so I grieved about that. But I took it to the Lord in prayer. I said, Lord, in your time, I pray that this relationship can be healed someday. And so we had a common friend who I said to him, I knew he talked to this other person. They had now since moved across the country. And I said, when you can, would you ask him if he would be open to a phone call from me? And he says, I'll do that. And he got back to me sometime later and he says, yes, he's open to a phone call. And I was able to call him on the phone, 
And by God's grace, we've reconciled. We confessed to each other. We forgave each other. And then several months later, I had an opportunity to be in that part of the country. And I saw him in person. And certainly, we were reconciled as brothers in Christ. So it doesn't always happen, but that's what you need to do is take it to the Lord in prayer. Look for an opportunity to have the door open and then let the Spirit lead you through the process. Dr. Ted Kober is a certified Christian conciliator. He's co-author of The Issues Etc., a book of the month for January, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. You can purchase this new book at our website, issuesetc.org, or by calling Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040, and request The Issues Etc., a book of the month, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. Ted, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always great being with you. Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll study the Epiphany Hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, with Dr. Arthur Just at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and its media coverage of religion with journalist Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.